I get hundreds of phone calls from parents that describe to me how their child went in second grade, third grade, fourth grade, had learning disabilities, ADD, ADHD, and they went from therapist to therapist and psychiatrist, psychologist, and they tried this pill and that pill, and the pill made the kid have bursts of anger, and then they stopped and they started, and they went through so much difficulty. And then when the kid is older, 14, 15, 16, they're busting out. They don't want to learn. They don't want to hear about school. They don't want to hear about yeshiva. They don't want to hear about Torah. They're just, get me out of here, and they're going crazy. And the parents don't understand why. So usually, unfortunately, underlying all the things that look like a learning problem or ADD or ADHD, unfortunately, a lot of time it's really childhood sexual abuse that's happening because that causes the child to do something and not be able to sit there. And whatever they're going to do, we're going to give it a name. If he's spaced out, okay, ADD. If he's moving around and he's fidgety because his nervous system is revved up because he or she are being traumatized and they're scared and they're being forced into a situation where they cannot tell because they're being threatened, let's say, or whatever reason that they feel trapped, it's going to look like ADHD or it's going to look like a learning disability. And unfortunately, there is a tremendous amount of kids that are being misdiagnosed. But then there are also kids that do have ADD or ADHD or other kinds of situations where they just can't sit. And either way, the experience of that child who for some reason can't just sit and enjoy and listen and internalize and just get a 100 or 90 or an 80, depending on their seichel, it's very frustrating. They can have so much seichel. Their seichel is not the problem. They can get a 100 in a heartbeat, but they just can't sit and listen calmly and internalize and repeat. And those kids, for those kids, which are thousands of kids now because Klal is so big, instead of enjoying the beautiful maestas that we have, such a beautiful system that's catering in the best ways to every single kid, their experience is one of horror and pain on a constant daily basis. So I get these calls all the time from parents. I recorded this call and I hope that this could be helpful to shed a little bit of a light on what it's like for these kids when they're going through the daily grind of going to our yeshiva system. It may not give us solutions, but I hope that the parents out there, because there's so many of you, could at least give your child understanding. And perhaps if you get together and group together, maybe yeshivas can open up, moistus can be formed, classes can happen for the kids who cannot sit in class when they have no chasarn in yedia, no problem with their brain. And if we do this, then they don't have to rebel against Yiddishkeit. When they're still pure and innocent, second grade, third, fourth, fifth, if we can give them another option that is not just sitting as a prerequisite to the entire system, a different option somehow could be created. We could save all these kids. I get a lot of phone calls about this type of thing. And it's, of course, not my sugi at all because I deal with off the derech kids who are suicidal and pikuach nefesh only. So I just want to explain to you a little bit from my perspective of from where I'm looking onto your matzav because I get so many phone calls and there's so many people who are in your situation. And just, you know, I'm not telling you what to do. This is not my field. But just from where I'm sitting, I just want to talk to you and then you could think about what you want to do and digest what I'm telling you and figure out how that applies to you. I'm not giving you hadracha. I'm not giving you guidance. I'm not, I'm not saying hold my hand and do this and this and it's going to be fine. I'm just telling you my feeling about this Indian. Just to recap, so we understand what we're talking about. 
a child that is bachent, sweet, smart, agitzkite, sensitive, and for the longest time he has ADHD, and for whatever reason, I can nicht and he just can't. He just can't sit down. So the result of what we do is because you have to sit. There is no option. So therefore, you have to sit. So we go and we put him on medication. And we bring him to the psychiatrist. And we tried one medication and there were side effects. And side effects means we're hurting him. We're hurting his brain. And it causes side effects. And we try another medicine and we try another medicine. Then we take him to the therapist and we take him to another therapist. Then we go to a psychologist. Then we go to this person. They're all because a Ms. Anzitz. And he has to sit. Because we created a structure in the world that a child, in order to be successful... Your brains is not the issue. Your good heart is not the issue. Your ratzin, your rutzin, your chika, your chuka, whatever you want to call it, makes no difference. Your gitzkite, your sensitive, your nice, your caring, makes no difference. You need to be able to sit 10 hours in a, in a little jail, in a little metal seat, and if you could sit and listen and repeat... Then you go home with the words 90, 80, 100, Mitzian, and you get glowing report cards, and PTA is a machaya, a zitz, he doesn't think about anything else, he's not distracted, he's not ADD, he's not ADHD, he can just sit with his tuchus on that little chair, and that's called Mitzuyan. Mitzuyan, Mitzuyan, Mitzuyan. All the eights that we did with him is because... A child has to sit. That's a given. We don't have another school that you don't have to sit. You have to sit. And therefore, some children, they go and they put them on medication, and it works. Even so, what's working? That we got him to sit. We're successful. And hopefully without having side effects and hurting his brain. That's called success. Or what happens is, like in your case and like in many other cases that I know of, is that the medication doesn't work. It either makes them totally out of it or it hurts their brain. They get anger. They have all kinds of side effects. And then we schlep this kid from person to person to person to person because he's never a failure. He feels like a failure. And he's much more frustrated than a typical failure because somebody who's not that smart, so he's, he's having trouble in school, okay. But here we have a kid who has the ingredients inside of him to be an amazing, amazing adult. As felt him gurnished, he's mamish Hashem gave him all of the best qualities to be 25 years old, 30 years old, 35 years old, for his whole life to be sweet and sensitive and caring and smart, brilliant, you said, right? And successful in every way and to be in business and to be an askunis and to help Klal Yisrael and to be honored in all the, in the yeshivas. But in order to get to become an adult, you have to go through the years of years of years of years of weeks of weeks of days of days of hours of hours doing something that the Eibishter did not give you the ability to do. And then we have a problem. What's the problem? Not his pain, not his frustration, not the fact that we don't have a place, but the problem is that the Rebbe calls. He's not sitting. He's not paying attention. He doesn't know what's going on. He's distracted. He's, he's hyper. He's making noise. He's, and it's all true. And so what happens is his confidence breaks. He's dreaming, I'm going to be a millionaire, a billionaire, I'm going to run over the world, I'm going to this and that. But he can't do little things because he does not have the self-confidence. Why doesn't he have self-confidence? Because every day when you're the problem kid and you're the problem kid and you're the problem kid, again and again you couldn't, you couldn't control yourself, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't. So then what happens is you just realize that you can't and it destroys the self-confidence of the child.
just to give you an example of what this is like, and it's not such a great example, but I want to explain to you what it's like when a kid has ADHD or any really any kind of disability, which doesn't mean his brain is schwach or stupid, but it's something that is stopping him. He cannot, he has no bechira, no bechira to, to be that good quote-unquote, good kid that is a machaya in a classroom and that the Rebbeim can give good, good reports. What that's like, basically, is if imagine that you come home and your wife took off the hot plate from Shabbos in order to clean it and she put it on a chair. It's still very hot. She unplugged it, she put it on a chair. And you you come home, you make yourself a drink, and then you just take a chair and you sit down right on top of the plate. Imagine the pain that you would have. It would be mamish, mamish, terrible. You have all kinds of creams and, and all kinds of ointments a whole night, but it's still very, very painful. By shachris, you can't sit, and, and it's very hard. You get to work, you don't sit on the train, you don't sit in the car. You, you stand on the train, and you get to work, and you have a very important business meeting in a bank with 20 people around in these big conference room tables with these huge chairs, and you're sitting next to your boss, and you're sitting down over there, and after like five minutes, you start fidgeting, and you start moving. And, and your boss looks at you, you okay? Yeah, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Ten minutes and fifteen minutes, and you can't possibly sit. It's not possible. And everybody who doesn't understand, because you're not going to share with them why and where and what, they constantly are looking at you like, what in the world is wrong with you? And so you, can, you, you say, I'm going to be good. And you give yourself, it's eight minutes, it's nine minutes, it feels like an eternity, but you can't. So you're moving and you, you move your elbow this way and your, this, your knee this way and your foot this way and that way. And you just, you, they could see something is not right with you. And that's what happens to these good kids, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. And then again, we take them to get help. What's the help? And this is the point that I'm trying to bring out. You have to sit. That's not an option. It's what are we going to do to numb, numb your brain or turn something off inside of you or make you limp or, or give you Benadryl or sleeping medication or what do we need to do to allow you to be able to sit in that chair? In other words, your brain is at 100. You're brilliant. But, but if, you, if we need to numb your brain down to 90 or 80 or 70, as low as we need to go, because you need to sit in that chair. That's the, that's the first thing that needs to happen. You need to sit in that chair. Now, what do we need to do to your brain, to your body, to your nervous system in order to get you there? That's, what can we do? <laughs> can't do. So we take a kid who has nothing wrong with his brain for the world, He's sensitive, sweet, smart, nice, everything is true because Ratzin is great. But we start giving him medication into his brain to change his feeling. A lot of these kids explain to me the feeling. Sometimes it works great, by the way. But when it doesn't, it feels like they still want to move and there's something stopping them. So they feel like as if there's ropes around their arms and legs. Not that you don't want to move like the guy next to you. You want to move, but you can't. And then there's all kinds of kids have anger issues because of it. and Because you're playing around with someone's brain. So now let's understand it. When you talk about the fact that he couldn't be in yeshiva every day and yeshiva was a problem, to him, yeshiva equals pain. P-A-I-N. So let's understand, let's have the conversation about this child's life and replacing the word yeshiva with the word pain. And this is basically what we hear. Of course, his whole life he went to pain, 
and every day he went to pain. And in pain, he he was having trouble, you know. So we spoke to them about what we can do about him, and we tried to get, took him to different, uh, took this little cute kid. He's looking up at us, please help me, because I'm in a lot of pain. I said, no problem. And we take him to the psychiatrist. The psychiatrist says, well, we're going to give you medication so you can be able to go to pain every day, and it shouldn't hurt you so much. And then we're going to get some tutors at night. They're going to give you private pain. They're going to come privately because you didn't have enough pain during the day, and you missed some of the, material because you you, you you know you're in pain and it's not working out for you so we got a private person he's so nice and he's going to come when you come home from yeshiva from pain i'm sorry from pain you're going to have more pain a private pain to give you private pain a few times a week to catch up for what you missed while you were in pain and you take a nice good kid because you have no choice now the point is as follows if this as an adult would happen to us where you got a chance to make a half a million dollars and uh, Coca-Cola decided for some reason to hire you to be in charge of their advertising, and you had to be creative, and you're not a creative person, you're a bookkeeper, and all of a sudden now they want you to be creative and dealing with designs and drawings, and you just, you can't do it. So how long do you think you can do a job where you're not good at it, you don't have what it takes, but you can't quit? Nobody, you're not giving the option to quit, and every day they're looking at you, and even when you're good, they look at you like, Okay, oh, you were very good today. You know, it's so frustrating when you naturally can't do it and everybody's looking at you. They, they, they don't understand what's... Even the compliments begin to hurt. But Kolchkein, when you get called in to your boss, listen, you know what's going on. You sure you can't do it? Yesterday you did it. Remember last week you were able to do it? Like Rick Lavoie says, the worst day of the life of these kids is when for some reason they're able to function and then for the rest of their lives everybody says, oh, you see, you were able to do it last week. You were able to sit straight uh, three weeks ago and we use it against them for the rest of their life. So they, their experience of this type of kid going through our beautiful school system is a tremendous amount of pain that knocks and breaks their self-esteem. Inside they know, I got what it takes to be successful. I'm not supposed to be so miserable. I can make a family and be nice and be good. I, I have ichab vert, I have worth. But on the other hand, no one's ever really been able to appreciate their worth because the worth of a kid starts with sitting and not making noise and not fidgeting and not being distracting and just sitting. And therefore, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years of going through this is pretty much enough to kill most people, especially the ones who are smart, sensitive, caring, nice, and good. They can mamish have a heart attack. So now your son is at the stage where he's saying, I don't want to go to pain anymore. Now, I want to explain something to you. Until, I don't know, 50 years ago, 75 years ago, maybe 100 years ago, until then, since Bria Sa'ilam, this kid that you're describing would have been the biggest asset of your family. This kid would have been, if you think about 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, this kid would have been the one doing your laundry and have energy and being smart and buying and selling. And, and he would have been, because it used to be that the, that, that the sitting part of life was very, very little. There was a lot of activity. And even if you sat for a few hours when you went to yeshiva in, in the shtetl over there, but then when you came home, there was a lot of work to do. A lot of physical activity, doing a wash took hours and hours and hours. You had to go get Shep Vassar, and then you had to go squeeze it and run it. That was all, every little thing took a lot, and everyone in the family needed a lot of energy and a lot of brains. And this kid would have been, if he would have been born in any other time, until 100 years ago, whenever the system was created, 75 years ago, he would have been mamish, mamish, a, a superstar. 
But now we created a really ultimate school system, but that really requires, we have the nicest schools and the nicest blackboards, uh, whatever they call them these days, and we have the nicest chairs, the most comfortable ergonomics chairs, and everything is the best. But if you can't sit and just sit and just concentrate, it's Gehenim, 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 Gehenim. And we take these kids and we break them to shreds. Some of them go off the derech. Some of them become dysfunctional. Some of them just give up hope. Some of them give up on life. They lose their self-confidence. They lose. It's such a shame because we don't have an Eitzah. So the first thing is, somebody in Klal Yisrael has to go ahead. We are big enough as a tzibur. Somebody needs to open a school to take from all those kids that can't sit and come up with a system where you don't need to sit. Maybe they go out and they have more recess. These kids are so smart, they can learn much more than the regular pace of the school in half the time. Maybe they go do other stuff. Maybe they each have their own trampoline that they can do um, jumping jacks for two hours while they learn. I don't know. But there has to be eventually a moisid for all these kids so they're not murdered. Just like Ichud programs came up and there's all different kinds of stuff for slow, for Down syndrome, for Hask. There needs to be a, a top school. Top, top. Upkeit and Frumkeit, no problem. Biggest Hasidish school, no problem. These kids are not anti-Yiddish. But that doesn't, that, that, uh, that takes these kids who are hyper or have different types of learning disabilities, but not that they're slow. These sharp, brilliant kids and put them in a yeshiva, in a matzav, in a situation that's catered for them. Not that their whole life, every single day, they have to go catered for the other kid that's, by the way, much less than them. Less smart, less sweet, less... They're just normal. Every single maizid that opens up usually comes from somebody who goes through a situation, mitgemacht. So maybe you wonderful parents who went through and see the damage to your, your angel of a kid, maybe somebody listening, somebody out there will go ahead and create such a Maisid. Who then should do it? That's how Maisids get created. So everybody, you know how many thousands of kids are like this? You could have moms. I'm, I'm talking about these kids are more brilliant than the regular kids. They're going to be fahered on, they'll know everything, but they need to be taught in a way that doesn't, that they are gifted. Yes, that's correct. They are gifted, but they can't do the regular. So what? So we have enough kids that somebody out there who has these type of kids should go ahead and find another way to teach them that they don't have to do something that they cannot do. So there's attention deficit disorders, hyper, there's all kinds of stuff. But if we deal with them properly and we have a different class for each type of problem, then that would be very, very helpful. Whether people will or not, and that's not my noisa, I'm just saying from my perspective the pain that I feel for these kids and that what needs to happen is that somebody out there has to do something about that. Now, number two, when you understand your child and you don't look down at him and you understand his frustration, that comes from sitting and learning. And you understand that to be an adult, if you look, I just met somebody who's one of the G'daylam, up-and-coming G'daylam, and he told me, he said, you know, I'm looking around, all the up-and-coming G'daylam were all the ones growing up in yeshiva that were the best in sports. A lot of people, they were good in sports, and they were geschmack, and they had a lot of energy, and they ended up turning their lives around, and they, 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 as an adult, and they became G'daylam. We have now a system that doesn't appreciate these kids. But now you have a kid who's having a nervous breakdown because of the fact that in this matziv that he was put in against his will every single day and not good for him, 
means that, I, I don't know, again, we didn't have an option. Would it have been better for him to sit home every day? Avadanisht. But still, we put him into a jail that was not meant for his benefit. That's a fact. Not our fault, because we don't have a choice, but not his fault. So just looking at it life from his perspective, he's stuck in a world that doesn't appreciate it. Can you imagine that a, a, an adult that has talent and sweet and smart and funny, and he ends up in a marriage and in a family that they just don't appreciate him? They just don't appreciate him. They don't think he's funny, and they don't get his jokes. They don't get his humor, and just and he's always stuck in this in this family all the time. He just feels so. It's so sad. It's just so sad. And his whole life is this called yeshiva, the system. Of course, he's anti-system. Of course, he wants to get away from the system. So now, some kids drop out. Some Michal Shabbos. You're at the at the stage where he's saying, "I don't want to go to yeshiva anymore. I don't want to do this anymore." And the answer is Shefila, I don't want you to either, because this is not making you a successful yid. This is not making you an erlich yid. This is not going to make you a healthy human being. You don't need this system for you. You're much smarter than those kids, and it's not meant for you. This is a different track. And you have to be able to realize at some point, if you don't pull the plug on trying to find ways to manipulate, force, pressure, push, convince him to go back into that seat then he will pull that plug and you won't have any control over what he does because it's going to be drugs and alcohol and all different things to numb his pain. Now, I had a friend of mine that had a kid who was 15 and a half years old and he was really struggling his whole life. And the father saw it clearly. Great kid, no time on the kid. He, I can't, he can't do it. And you know what he did? He did something very, very gutsy. He took his kid out of yeshiva. He got him a job. He got him a job by a young man that was, it was safe, it was secure. And he said, by the time you're 19, 20 years old, you're going to have $150,000 saved up. You're going to be a multimillionaire. You're going to be a success. The kid went to work, did amazing, loved it, gave tremendous nachas, and never went off the derech, never had a problem davening with Minyan. He ended up learning an hour a day because he decided he wanted to. He learned more than all the kids in his class. You look at him at 21 years old, not just he's better than he would have been, he's better than almost everybody in the class. Okay, the 5-10% that the classroom is set up for to make them gedolim, they taka did super, super, but the other 90%, he washed the floors with them because they're all going to end up being balabatim. They're all going to end up needing money. But by then, they're not so erlich and the tzabrach and whatever. He is the best balabas in the world because he never got tzabrach and he never got poisoned. So this guy did such a gutsy, gutsy thing. He took a young kid out, got him a job by a friend of his that was perfect for the skill set of the child. And he was by a from beautiful place with his friend watching him. He built himself up a year, two, three years later. Erlich, Frim, never went off the derech and doesn't have poison in him. Doesn't have a tzibrach and a self-esteem. He still a little bit does because he was broken from five years old until 15 years old. But early enough that when the kid got to the point where he's becoming a man and you can't contain him anymore, before that bust and that break, hey, I hate this and I'm not going and breakdown and looking for, for appreciation and success on the street from drug addicts, before that happened, he said, you know, you're right. You're right. You're suffering enough with this yeshiva business. You're much better than them. You're much smarter than them. One day you're going to be the best. And this guy now is going to finish us. And he's going to be smarter. He's going to be more erlich than 90% of the kids in the class. 
Certainly better than he would have been himself in that other Meissen. But even better than the mainstream, because the mainstream is not so great to begin with from a lot of kids. And this kid for sure wasn't good. And what's going to happen is, it's not what maybe, this will happen. The Meissen that he dropped out of at 15 and a half, they're going to they're gonna be honoring him in a couple of years from now, because he's going to write a $25,000 check for them. And he doesn't even hate them, because he really he didn't have all that animosity. He didn't have all that hatred built up because it was early enough that everybody parted his friends. Yeah, we real you're, you're Gavaldic. You, you can't sit, unfortunately, but you're going to be amazing. And the yeshiva said that, and the parents said that, and the kid's amazing. No drugs, no chil shabbos, no need for it, no no rebellion. But when you keep on stipping that, that, that uh, what do you call it, the square peg in the, round, in the round thing, or the round peg in the square, I forgot which one. When you're stipping something, was geitnisht. Hashem didn't create it to work. This is, this is a system not created for him. He's not created for the system. System not created for him. But memiz, 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 father, memiz, memiz, memiz. Because if you don't, you're not going to this, you're not going to that, whatever. Then you end up having a nervous breakdown. And the nervous breakdown, Khalila, can look like a rebellion. It can look like drugs. Or it can just look like the hundreds of kids that are just dead. Either they're dead, they're staying in bed all day, they're depressed, or, they, or they're not. And, and they get married. And they're missing the spark. And there's never matzliach. And they can't make the million dollars because they don't have the self-esteem and they don't have the ability to see things through because they were never matzliach their whole entire life. So I'm not telling you, pull all these kids out of school, get them all jobs. I'm not saying anything. I'm saying what I see over and over again from my perspective. And even now that you're finally calling me, and I'm telling you this is not my category, so you have to go to someone else for advice, but your whole plan is, how do we get him to weiter be in a system, to learn with a guy? Why does he have to learn with a guy? So this is a very, very important point. The maturity level is not like, a, like an 18-year-old. The maturity level is much, much younger. And the reason is because the brain does not develop properly when you're not happy. Now that sounds like something from a, 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 a mystical book. Like it says that your soul cannot soar if your body is is not happy. But there's more than that. It's, that's true too. But it's more than that also. They have now fMRI of the brain that shows that a child who goes through a trauma, or in basically you have to understand that what you described of a kid going through this where every single day you can't be the good kid and you can't be matzliach every single day, that is a trauma. And it's not the trauma of the one-time, God forbid, sexual abuse or the one-time that you see somebody die or the one-time. It's the daily grind from a young age, day after day after day, for years and years and years and years. And you can't do it. And you can never get that nachas from the parents. And you can never be the matzliach kid. And you know that you are. That they find out now is considered a trauma. And they're seeing black and white. The whole world never knew this. But when we figure out, when we see it, and you Google it, FMRI, they see now that even though the person physically grows, third grade, fourth grade, eighth grade, tenth grade, the body physically grows. And even though parts of the brain physically grow, they're intelligent beyond. But there are parts of the brain that don't grow. They now see this black and white that inside the brain 
and there are parts of the brain that do not grow. So you end up having a child who is 18, 20 years old, brilliant, smart, can fight, can argue, but cannot handle any pressure, cannot function properly whatsoever, can't complete tasks, and if you give him four or five things to do, nothing gets done, constantly pushing things off, I'll do it later, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it yet, I'll do whatever, unable to handle normal life of an adult. And this is not something that he has Bechira on, and the more that these fMRIs eventually are going to be very cheap, everyone's going to have it in your house, so you'll be able to go to the kid when he's sleeping with a little object, and it'll take a scan, it'll print out, it'll show you exactly the azoivi that we have bone age, there's going to be brain age of different parts of the brain that they mama show. The reason these kids can't fall asleep is because the parts of the brain that deal with the serotonin levels are not the same as an adult. The reason why the parts that deal with pressure and the different chemicals, it's mamish black and white, and that the brain is younger. And then what happens is life is too much for them to handle, so they're constantly being a loser. So the reason why you're telling me, which everybody tells me, and not only that, when you get very friendly with the kid and you take pressure off, you'll really take a step back and look at it, and you'll be like, wow, he couldn't do that. Such a simple task. Look at what he he couldn't do two and two together, and and you realize why these kids pop off and go on drugs because they end up feeling so much frustration because they can't function in our world normal. Exactly. So it comes to exactly what you're saying. When it comes to Sukkis, he has two weeks of building and it's beautiful and it's mamish perfectionist and he's proud and he goes and he collects and he does and these and then Sukkis is over. You know what? We'll see you again, Pirim. But Peter, maybe Mamash is there, right? Yeah, that's right. Mamash, we'll see you again, Peter, in time. Until then, we really, you have no value for us. The challenge for you to save his life is to make him a success today, which means to take who he really is. Like it says from the bracha we had last week in the parsha, Yaakov Avinu benched each kid. Rashi says, He did not tell Zavulon, you're going to be a Yisachar, and that's your bracha to sit and, and finish Shas and to be a, to be a Marbet's Torah. He told Zavulon, Don't be depressed that you're going out of the yeshiva because you're going to be the supporter. Every person has his tafkid. So if you're honest, you look at his skills that he has. And by the way, compared to the rest of the world, compared to even those mitzuyanim and yeshiva that were able to sit, right? His skill set is gavaldic. We need him in Klal Yisrael. This is somebody that we want. We don't want to lose this kid. He's gavaldic. One thing, I can nishtin, we go on the resume, he cannot sit. Okay. He can be creative. He can build. He can, he's geshmak. He's nice. He's caring. He's wonderful. And he's smart. And he's gavaldic. Everything, every, anything. So you can't tell him, oh, I found you a job. You're going to sit in one place for 12 hours a day. No. You're not going to sit in yeshiva, and you're not going to sit in a job. So you have to look at his skill set, and you say, we're going to make him a success. We are going to find find a way to make him a success that he doesn't need mentors, and he doesn't need therapists, and he doesn't need psychiatrists, and he doesn't need people to, we're going to squeeze your head into this little box. Ah, you feel it, you feel Oh, your ear is sticking out. Oh, let me push it in a little bit more. Adav gunished. Adav gunished.
What does he need? Anything that's going to make him a success. You said he, he's great on Sukkah's time. Maybe he can work for all around the year for people who are doing things, interior decorating, builders, contractors. I don't know. Anything. Anything that does not require the one thing was a Kenishtin. Imagine you have a son that has one left elbow that, that broke as a child and it's always in a lot of pain and it's in a cast. And now, so his whole life, he's going to do nothing? No. You'll find something for him that doesn't require a left elbow. He'll be able to have a right hand and a, and a legs and everything else. And that's, that's the only way out is. And by the way, you'll have no support. The world has nothing to offer you. Because the system and the, the world... And, well, you don't have to worry about having a penny to your name, Rabbitson, because he's, he's going to be supporting you. He's going to be supporting... Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be the one supporting the whole family. So don't worry about that. This is a good investment because one day he's going to be your millionaire kid and he's going to thank you and he's going to appreciate mommy and tati. You didn't abandon me and you were there for me. I don't want him going... You want to send him away... Because of Eiter, you're going to find a yeshiva for Shvacha kids? Now this kid is, oh, he's in a yeshiva where, he, he's in a yeshiva that you don't really need to sit. He's 18 years old. He's wasting away his life. He's going to end up watching movies and watching TV because he's not successful. You're putting him in a, you're, you're setting him up for failure. Why? Why do we do this to these kids? Find a way. I'm telling you, my friend did it. He found that he had another guy. A guy was in construction. He took in his 15 and a half year old son as his assistant. Now it's four, three, four years later. The guy is running projects. The guy's a manager. He never had one day that he wasn't successful. So they found the right skill set for this kid. These kids, Bederich Klau, love working with Shvacha kids. Love working with Hask and Camp Simcha and Boys Zone. They love it. You can get them a job in a, in a, in a Moisid working with kids. It's, you don't have to wait for the summer. They love giving and they love their lechtig. And you know what the biggest pain is for people like you, your wonderful parents? You see that light of your child. You see the light in his eyes start to just go out. And it's very, very, very painful. You have to look this up yourself because you're not going to believe this. Rip Shamshan will follow Hirsch on the words Vayigdalu Hanarim. He says something mamish unbelievable. He says that the entire childhood of Yitzcha, of, of Yaakov and Esav are described by two words Vayigdalu Hanarim. The, the kids grew up. And one of them was, was uh, Tam Yeshiv Ishtam And the other one was Tzayid, you know, a murderer of, of, of what's it called? Uh, yeah. A hunter, right, okay? And he says, what do you mean? You have two kids that grow up, and the whole childhood is described, Vayigdalu Hanarim, in two words. Psham Shofal Hirsh. says that the Torah allows us to see the faults of the others. And the Torah tells us things that, that yes, they made mistakes, and we're allowed to look at them to learn from their mistakes. He says that Yitzchak and Rivka had twins, they were very different. And the tafkid of Yitzchak and Rivka was that each kid should end up being the top. Yaakov was supposed to be the kid who sits and learns, becomes the Godel Adar. Esav was supposed to be the mashkiach, the fundraiser, the guy in charge of recess, the guy in charge of building the binyanim. He was supposed to be an equal partner with Yaakov. All of his, of his tool set that Hashem gave him was not to sit and learn, but everything else. And together they were going to build the world. 
They put them in the same school. There was nothing different about the way that they raised them. And they expected both kids to grow up in the same yeshiva, going to the same Rebbe, with the same hours, with the same chair. And he says, one of them was going to pop off the derech. Either it was going to be Esav, because Esav, w- the school system was really meant for a Yaakov, and Esav didn't feel comfortable and successful, and he would jump off the derech. Or if the system that they created would have been for Esav, then Yaakov never would have reached his potential and felt successful, and he would have gone off the derech. He says that the reason why Esav turned out bad is 100% Yitzchak and Rivka's fault, that they didn't do Chanoich Lenar al Pidarkai. And he says that any school system that expects all of our children to be in the same system is doomed. Doomed for failure. Dvarim Nairoim Adma Oid. 100% true. 100%. 100%. You would, you would throw me out and I'll be an apikaris, but you have to see it inside. Basically, yes, yes, Esav had ADHD. He had all of the, the fight and flight and trauma responses that were needed to be a hunter. And Yaakov had all of the, the, the necessary character traits to be Ishtam Yoshev Aholim and to sit by his mother. I have a friend of mine, he has a son. This kid loves to learn. We're talking about love to learn. He would go ahead on Bena's Manim and he would daven shachras at 6.30 and sit from 7.30 until 7.30 p.m. and learn. Forgot to eat, forgot gunish. This is a Yaakov Avini. Okay? And there are kids on different levels who have that. They love learning. They love sitting. Or at least they can tolerate it. And then you have kids that they want, they love building. And they love helping. And they love shvacher kinder. And they love hask children. And they love being a part of Klai. So they love being alive. They have so much kreichas and nefesh. They can't sit still. How do you take somebody who's a master builder to help Klai so build 50 moistis and put him in a chair for 10 hours? It's the wrong skill set but we only have one chair and we only have one system. So we kill, we kill. You know the joke that everybody says that the school system is like Sedaim. In Sedaim, if they, they gave you a bed and if you're too, too big, then they cut, they cut your feet off. And if you're too fat, right? You know how it worked in Sedaim. They say the only difference is that in Sedaim, if you were too big for the bed, they cut your feet off. In the school system, if you're too big for the system, they cut your head off. Look at, look at your son. Look at your son. No chesaron in, in his brains. His brains are fine, but he's big. He's big. He could be a gadol adar in chesed. By the way, he could end up being in learning also. When you get older, you could settle down. Different things happen. He could end up being writing svarim. He could write chedushim. I'm saying, it's not a riot for me, but I'm saying I never learned well, right? But I have books on chedushi Torah because I'm very creative. So all my talents that I have to help people was all the opposite. What's the opposite of, of talent? Uh, it was all chesreinus. When I was in yeshiva, because I was that kid who, I don't think I had ADHD, but I, was, I always came up with a funny line. Now in group, I keep everybody happy and funny because that's, that's, I, I have that. All the talents that I had in the last 15 years to help Baruch Hashem, and her, hundreds of people, all were chesreinus. Every single one was a chesar. Everyone, everyone growing up, all you needed is sit 
and listen and stop coming up with ideas and stop trying to change everything and stop trying to figure out, you know, if we have recess at 10 o'clock, don't make anything better and just sit there and do what you got to do and stop complaining and stop spacing out and stop thinking, you know, a lot of kids, a lot of kids are not spaced out. A lot of kids are very smart and they have something called distractibility. Some kids space out, some kids space in. Some kids have distractibility. Everything chops them. So the teacher comes in and he's listening for two minutes, three minutes to the teacher. And then all of a sudden he realizes, oh, the teacher has new shoes. Wow, what kind of shoes are they? Oh, they're shinier than usual. And all of a sudden, boom, his entire focus is on the shoes. And then all of a sudden, oh, he has a watch. I wonder what kind of watch it is. Some kids get distracted. All kinds of of ways that Hashem gave brains. Hashem gives brains. All different types of brains. But we only respect the one brain. The one brain of the kid that could sit there. Halavai, he gets a 90, 100. If not, he gets a 60, 70. But he's not a problem child. You need to turn your kid around. You need to give him a track that uses his mylas that he should feel good about himself. This is Avi Fishoff, and I can be reached at twistedparenting at AOL.com.